Gretchen and the Armstrong Show with Glenn. And Drew. And Gabe. Thanks to all of our patrons for your support of the show. We appreciate what you guys enable us to do in our communities, as well as your communities, when we travel around. Listeners asking for the IFAC PDF was much higher than I thought, and I'm excited to say that. So I didn't know how many people were going to send me requests after listening to the uh, the IFAC Lifesaver show we did. But, yeah, everyone's jazzed about it and, and asking for the PDF, and I'm sending video links and everything else. So I love it. It's awesome. So thank you guys for being willing to you know keep learning. In the vein of medical, I wanted to share a story <clears throat> from a listener. I'm going to kind of uh, ad-lib a little bit of this here, but got this email. Uh, I just want to take a moment to share a quick story. Longtime listener, supporter of the show. Over the years, I've incorporated many of the readiness and mindset tenets you guys preach every week. Now, I want you to pay attention to the things that he says right there. I have incorporated many of the readiness and mindset tenets. I'm going to come back to that in a second. He said, I recently got back into riding motorcycles, um, always carry a trauma kit. I'm kind of ad-libbing some stuff here, but um, never had to use it. Um, carries it on a saddleback nonetheless, tried to get his buddies to do it. They don't give a fuck as usual. Uh, he said, yeah, it pisses me off, of course. But, um, you know, back in the day, he didn't, you know, ever think about that stuff. So anyway, we were up in this one particular area they ride a week and a half ago, riding and enjoying the fall colors. On uh, the certain road, we were bebopping along when an oncoming rider waved us to slow down as we approached a curve. So naturally, I began to watch for some sort of hazard. As we rounded the curve, I saw a woman standing alongside the road next to her vehicle waving to us to slow down. Up ahead of her, I saw a group of about 12 people standing around with their bikes on kickstands next to a female who was sitting on the ground. A small Harley was laying next to her. So this is common. You know, you come upon an accident, everyone's standing around, no one knows what to do. Here's a group of 12-plus adults, and not a single fucking one of them knows what to do, except our guy, right? He says, pull up, I immediately made my way to her, as did another rider in my group, who also happens to be a nurse. As I surveyed the scene, it became apparent the woman on the ground had crashed her bike upon failing to negotiate the curve. The bike was in a heap, and the woman appeared stunned and dazed. The 12 or so people standing around weren't doing jack shit. My first reaction was anger, and I had to clear my mind, so uh, I asked this other person if she had any medical supplies, to which she replied, no. And keep in mind, this person is a quote-unquote medical professional, right? And I'm not digging on them. I'm just saying no, the, the, majority facts of, the, facts. the majority of medical professionals I know don't carry shit if they're not on the job. Everybody thinks that it's like their life. Oh, you're a nurse, you're a paramedic, you're a doctor. Is that your, that's like your life? Like, no, man, it's my fucking job, right? That's most people. So I grabbed my trauma kit, cracked it open. Uh, we assessed a woman, found she had suffered some serious road rash below her left knee and left elbow. Like pretty bad and nasty looking. I know not a pressurized hydraulic system leak, but significant enough. Her helmet had scuffs too, indicating a possible head and neck trauma. She was talking coherent, and I asked her some basic questions to figure out she wasn't an immediate threat of death. Uh, we proceeded to grab some gloves from my kit, apply antiseptic and dressing, again, from my kit. Uh, everyone else just stood around and watched, including other riders from my group. Um, upon completion, they offered a head-to-toe assessment, but she declined. She declined EMS assistance, claiming she was a Caterpillar mechanic and had been through worse at work. Kind of a funny statement. People make weird statements like that. Uh, the other members of her group insisted she'd be fine, and they'd call for a friend uh, in a nearby city to come get her and the bike. I told her, we think she needs to go to a hospital, and then you leave, because that's all you can do, right? You're like, hey, I did the best I can do. I think you should do this, but we're all just strangers here, so you do whatever you want. So here's the important part. It was a weird feeling, having to rely only on what I had on my person to help the situation. Uh, I'm in law enforcement and have dealt with plenty of accidents, but EMS and fire are usually there really quick. I guess the thing that bothered me the most was how nobody was doing anything to help. In hindsight, I found this incident really crystallized my view and approach towards readiness and self-reliance. Here's the, the last statement I want to tie back to the first statement. I credit you guys in the show for much of that. Yet in the beginning of his statement, <laughs> he says, I have incorporated many of the readiness and mindset things that you guys preach every week. I appreciate the kudos. Just like I appreciate it when one of our students who's been through classes and all that, you know, successfully navigates something, whatever that is. But remember, they're the ones doing it. Yeah, they're there in the moment. 
you know? So no, I credit you actually for doing all of the things, listener. You are the one who did all of the things. You did all of the things. You had your med kit. You had the correct mindset. You did the best you could with what you had. And you were, as you said, the only useful engine on the goddamn track, you know? So this is a a very common story. And I, I love getting stories like this because Sometimes people will make comments like, you know, he made earlier comment. um, Yeah, I know, not a pressurized hydraulic system leak. One of the most recent, I would consider, saves that we had from a local student uh, was the vehicle accident. You remember that one? Mm -hmm. Uh, So just recently, bad vehicle accident. I think we told the story on the show before, but basically student – the gal had, had smashed her windpipe on the steering wheel and um, and was not breathing well and was struggling and freaking out and panicking, air, you know, airbag, all that kind of shit. So it's very fucking scary. And uh, he rolls up and he, he gets her head up and he helps her breathe and he hangs out with her for like 20 fucking minutes until a fire shows up. And then they take it over from there and then he moves on with his life. And he's like, man, I had my IFAC and everyone opened it up. It's like, yeah, you didn't fucking have to. Well, I don't know how much of a difference I made. Oh, buddy. A lot. You made a fucking difference. Otherwise, that gal would have been sitting there gagging and choking and may or may not have survived. And if she would have, it would have been a god-awful, horrible 20 minutes for her gagging and choking and being terrified instead of you being right there with her, helping to hold her airway open and helping her stay calm. Yeah. We say it all the time. I mean, if you carry just a tiny, tiny bit of supplies, we can almost 100% guarantee Mm. you're the most prepared person in any room you might walk into or Mm. any situation you might walk into. It's just kind of a sad reality. It's a terrifying thought sometimes uh, that I have when I I look around and I go, man, I bet I'm the only one here who's carrying a med kit. Yeah, like big venues or Mm -hmm. shopping centers or stuff like that where there's like lots of people in one area. You just kind of look around and you're like, hey, I've only got so much stuff. And it's probably going on people that I care about or know. So. That's something to think about. Also, yeah. also tells you who, like, who do you want to spend the most time around? Yeah, you know, you are picking your friends and picking your associates and picking people that you're going to be around. This is part of it. Oh, so great story. Thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, it's all on you, man. You know, you you're the one who even tuned in to listen and take notes and pay attention and and be open minded enough to learn. All we do, all we do, is provide information. We don't do the thing. You do the thing. You know, we've done the thing. We still do the thing on our own for ourselves. You know, so it's on you for being proactive. I, I love these kinds of stories. All right. Fun boy howdy. Do we have a bunch of fucking crazy news to get through? Uh, I'm going to try not to get lost on any one topic here or one story because there's some crazy ones. Texas woman shoots a 14-year-old boy dead after he tried to break in through a window while her four younger daughters were home. So he basically tried to open up an eight-year-old girl's bedroom window. Uh, this is in Texas, Fort Worth, a few weeks ago. Um, no charge has been filed as of yet. But she did. The, the lady said she got the gun to protect her family after suffering multiple break-ins, which began just a few weeks ago. Now, here's why I even want to talk about the story. Because you don't know sometimes who your opposition is going to be. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. She had to kill a 14 year old boy. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you don't know who it's going to be. could be a 14 year old girl. could be a 14 year old boy. could be a pregnant woman. could be an old guy. It's a thousand, it could be your neighbor. It could be a family member. It could be someone, you know, it could be the repair guy that was there last week. There's a lot of freaking people that you may encounter that mean you harm. And you don't know what they're going to look like. Yeah, or, it's not the, the typical bad guy target. Or what they're capable of either. Just like, you know, the tagline is, you know, 13 or 14-year-old boy or whatever. But it's like who's to say what he's willing to do or not willing to do. You know, clearly he's willing to break into a house, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair and, I mean, game. I'm looking. I mean. Go ahead. I, no, I just said, I mean, fair game, yeah. you know. And it's a, an idea of, you know, this gal. Did the right thing. She, I hope she went and got some training too. I don't know. It just talked about getting the gun, but, um, and I, I like this quote from her. She says, uh, "I'm devastated that he was 14. I hate that. I literally do hate that. And I'm so sorry. 
But at that point, I have to think about my babies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, boom. That's all that. And she said, uh, I, she shot him actually through a window. He's trying to come in the window. I didn't know he was 14 when he was on the other side of that window. All I knew was that someone could come in and hurt me or my kids. That's it. Well, yeah, and I mean, if she's been broken into, what, three mm-hmm. times, you said, yeah. prior to that? I mean, A, she needs to look at her lifestyle or patterns she's giving off that mm-hmm. would allow someone to break in her house repeatedly, mm-hmm. even if it's not the same person. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, cleared hot all day on that one. So just a, another reminder of you don't know who it's going to be or what they're going to look like. Um, in the world of airlines, we have three great stories. 16-year-old flying solo on Frontier Airline ends up in Puerto Rico instead of Ohio. So Frontier manages to put a freaking kid in Puerto Rico instead of Ohio. Spirit puts the uh, a six-year-old on the wrong airplane. And uh, he's supposed to go to Fort Myers and instead ends up in Orlando, Florida, both places Florida. So... Spirit just says the child was, quote-unquote, incorrectly boarded. Uh, The child was always under the care and supervision of a Spirit team member. That's not a comforting thought. And as soon as we discovered the error, we took immediate steps to communicate with the family and, uh, you know, uh, reconnect them. Um, And the the airline offered to reimburse the family for having to drive 160 fucking miles, 160 miles from Fort Myers, to go pick up their kid. Uh, same thing with this guy, you know, put in Puerto Rico. It's, it's all oopsie poopsies. Now, here's when it's a kid, even a 16-year-old kid. Like, 16-year-old kid can read. A 16-year-old kid can pay attention. Okay? They should know. That that's a, I've been on this airplane for a fucking while. Like, where yeah. are we going? And plus, you know, they. how many times do they say? The Ohio, he's supposed to go to Ohio and he goes to Puerto Rico. It. I mean... How when you're bleep checking in, don't you don't they oh no, that's not a seat with our plane. Like how these things even happen. And I get the six year old should have known better. The six year old, you can't put it on them. Are you allowed to fly by yourself when you're sick? Like Yeah, six? yeah, unaccompanied yeah. minors. Yeah. Yeah, because like you think about, you know, custody and stuff like that, you know, kids bounce around. And uh here's what's crazy. First of all, we're raising generations of people that will literally allow themselves to be put on the wrong fucking airplane. Because this is like the fourth or fifth story we've had in the last few months. And the six-year-old, okay, they got to pass. The 16-year-old should have fucking figured out they were on the wrong goddamn flight. People also forget to, I double-check everything all the time. Yeah, I double-check everybody's work as it were. You know what I mean? I buy, I order food, I look at my fucking receipt. You know what I mean? I I look. I, I'm not nitpicking, but I'm making sure that I'm not paying for something I'm not supposed to pay for. I'm not paying for, you know, the last guy's order. In fact, I was I was out at lunch the other day, and the guy sitting across from me, kind of at, at a bar, and the guy sitting across from me, the uh, waitress walks up, hands him his ticket, he looks at it and goes, hey, uh, hey, this isn't my ticket. You know? Mm-hmm. And she tries to give him, like, the ticket for, like, a three-top on the other side. And it's like... Most people, okay, cool, they swipe, here, swipe my card. Yeah. They may not even look at the total amount, right? And then you get screwed. So my point is, like, I don't trust anymore these days that fucking anybody is doing their job and gives a shit. Yeah, no. And that would include things like, like, if I'm putting any of my kids on a plane unaccompanied, everything's fucking air tagged. I know not everyone loves the security of those, but it's what we got to use. Like, everyone's getting fucked person's air tagged the fucking baggage is going to be air tagged you know what i mean i'm going to walk them to the gate myself yeah and get them from the gate myself i'm going to watch them get on the airplane and be there when they get off the airplane because i do not trust unfortunately that anybody gives a shit enough about their job anymore well it's not like you're getting on some like air force one flight where they manifest every single person Mm -hmm. that's coming on it's like hey you have a ticket cool yeah get on like these are normal human beings that are working at airlines they're not like some fucking special professionals at accountability at clearly, you know. So here's another great story. Uh, a United plane. Back in July, if you guys remember, um, there was a United plane that made a really fucking hard landing, a damn near total plane. The co-pilot was a former flight attendant who was fired and then rehired through United's diversity hire program, despite being on a list to not return to United. They failed multiple attempts at simulator training. 
And as usual, United, of course, trying to, you know, fucking cover all this up. Now, here's why this is a problem. It ties in to exactly what I was just talking about. You, like, it, it sucks because it's like, how do you even, with the low quality of customer service and all these kinds of problems, how do you even go any place and think anybody is going to do anything right? <laughs> it's just like really, really fucking sad. I mean, we just tell a story, right, where one of our listeners shows up on scene. Here, and here's 12 plus adults who don't know. They ride motorcycles and they don't know what to do if you fall off. Yeah. High risk environment yet. We're not going to take anything to help us get out in a pinch. Yeah, and people are like, well, you know, it's not like I was in the military. Dude, I didn't start that type of life because I was in the military or anything. That's that's called I want. I'm a human who wants to stay alive as a human. Yeah, I don't prefer dying. And so untimely. I'm I'm gonna learn how to take care. Like I ride a fucking motorcycle, high risk activity. People get hurt on them all the fucking time. I should probably find out what the common types of injuries are and learn how to fix them and then carry the appropriate tools around. Or I will just bet that someone else will fucking take care of me. Yeah. And now here, like how that ties into this story, obviously you can't just go be, become your own pilot. I mean, you can become your own pilot, fly all, all over the place on your own, but that's not realistic for the majority of people out there. But the question that has to be asked with all this diversity type shit is – are we hiring the best possible person? Clearly not, because that guy was like persona non grata from that airline, and yeah, they're like, or, oh, you can come back. We're just trying to fill a slot. And why are we trying to fill the slot? Because everyone is so scared of racism. Yeah. Everyone's so scared of racism. And racism is one of the number one tools that is being used to continue to keep racial tension between everyone in the country. Just like people still think there's a two-party system or what. It's like, dude, everything is literally being used to control you. And as long as you still buy into that, it's like, does racism still exist? Yes. It's always going to exist. That's not a problem we're ever going to solve. Can we manage it? Yeah, we can manage it. One of the best ways to manage it is to not fucking focus so much on it. Yeah. It's like any other problem that you may have in life. The more you focus on that problem, the worse of a fucking problem it becomes. Sometimes you just go like, you know what? That sucks. That was a shitty interaction. Not the kind of person I want to hang around anymore. Rad. Move on with your fucking life. You know, but this is the kind of shit that's going to... The racial tensions that continue to build and have been building for decades are the one of the primary tools being used by them powers that be to continue to make us all think that we're so fucking different. Yeah. And it's such a big issue and X group is so oppressed and Y group is even more oppressed and all of that bullshit that's just constantly being put out there is just absolutely ridiculous. And when you notice the majority of people who say they're being oppressed or repressed or whatever, usually their, their advocates are not even people from that group. No. It's, uh, you know... 47-year-old white ladies with no life, no husband, no kids, 46 cats that need something to rally behind. Justify their existence. Yeah, pretty much. It's just crazy to me. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know why people don't fucking see it. Yeah, that or communists. Yeah. Open communists Yeah, are always supporting that. I mean, the founders of the whole BLM thing, they yeah. were open communists, or at least they agree with communist ideologies and stuff like that openly. So So make sure you donate. Here's a cool survival story. Uh, Unable to move his legs, Matt Rum used whatever he could reach with his his hands while pinned inside a wrecked pickup truck for six days waiting to be rescued. This was in Portage. I'm looking for the state. I don't fucking know. I can't find the goddamn state. Anyway, uh, Indiana. Here it is, Indiana. So um, he smashed his truck, goes off of the interstate. It's busted up in a creek, kind of hard to see from the road. The dude stays alive by filtering water from a drain pipe and keeping warm under an airbag because he's trapped. There was a drain pipe right above him, so there was rainwater coming down when it rained, and he would use his shirt to filter it when he drank it. 
He also used an airbag that had deployed as blankets when he could get when he got cold so he could stay warm just trying to stay alive. Holy shit. Fucking crazy. I'm looking man. at the pictures right now. This dude's car is like under a mm-hmm. fucking bridge. Even though he was injured, Rum had his wits about him and decided to write about the ordeal in a journal. As soon as I came up on him, he gave me his journal. <laughs> First responder said Rum was in good spirits despite it all while they worked to free him. He was smiling, laughing, and making jokes, asking for a Big Mac. That's, I mean, that's fucking crazy, man. And yeah, you look at this truck. It is smashed the yeah. fuck up, and it's literally under a bridge. It was fishermen who found him, came upon the truck, and here's this dude stuck in there. There's a quote from one of the officers that says, this is the craziest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a great quote, dude. From the body cam footage. Jiminy Christmas. So all kinds of crazy uh Crazy, you know, more details in the story. You can look it up and, and read more about it. But this this is a great example of how skill and will trump all the tools you could possibly buy. It's also a reminder that if you don't keep tools handy and secured in your vehicle within reach of the driver's side, then you could end up trapped, pinned, and incapable of getting to all your cool stuff. So I know people have cool med kits and crash axes and, you know, uh, uh, window tools and all that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, so now if you get involved in a high-speed accident, yeah, where's that stuff end up? Yeah, either it's going to be flung around mm-hmm. the cab or the inside of your vehicle if it's not secured. I think headrests are probably one of the best places because mm-hmm. a passenger or the driver can both reach them. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, for this guy, probably some type of signaling would have been really cash money to have. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Whether that was like a strobe or mm-hmm. a flare or something, a whistle, something, mm-hmm. you know. Because think about it, if you had a strobe, even though he's under that bridge, the sun's <laughs> going to go down. And mm-hmm. if you've got a good strobe, driver's going on that road. Someone's going to see it. Gonna what the see hell it. is that? Yeah, and yeah. stop and look or, or just drive by and call, hey, I'm on this road. I saw mm-hmm. this. Cops would have possibly found him mm-hmm. a little bit earlier than six fucking days. So it's just a reminder. I'm glad this guy survived. Plenty of people who don't. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. This guy did. So it just we learn from other people's experiences, and this is a great experience to learn from. Are we going to have access to these tools? You know, to, to look inside your vehicle. Look at your emergency tools. Are you going to have access to those tools if, God forbid, you end up in a horrible vehicle accident? Underneath a bridge. Underneath a fucking bridge. Strobes, blankets. You know, can you access your, your gear? It's not going to be perfect. Some of that's just going to get flung. Yeah. That's why I like a little bit of redundancy for emergency tools. Oh, last story I want to talk about before we get to our topic. That's going to be uh, the paramedics who got charged in the death of that uh, Elijah McClain. Now, we could pretty fucking easily make this into damn near a whole show. So basically, a uh, 23-year-old guy, walk around Colorado, black ski mask, in the middle of summer, acting like a crazy person. A passerby calls 911. PD rolls up to make contact with the guy. Okay? That's all normal. He starts freaking out, saying weird shit as he's fighting the police. Starts yelling shit like, I'm taking my power back. Stuff like that. It takes several cops to hold him down. Fire rolls in and thinks the guy's having some kind of psychotic attack. So they give him ketamine. They misestimate his weight, which I don't know how they fucking thought a 150-pound kid was fucking 200 pounds, but they misguessed his weight. Um, and in the end, he ends up dying because he gets too much ketamine. And, of course, all the photos of this guy... He's well-dressed. I love this one photo hanging on the fence here. He's well-dressed. With a plaid shirt on. Yeah, he looks like... Looks uh, like a fucking grade-A student. Dude, this guy looks like he's probably going to be a fucking surgeon of the near, year next year. They describe him as a uh, massage therapist, musician, and animal lover. Which is all well and good. But what happens with the paramedics next is concerning. And here... Yes... They gave him too much ketamine. Of that, there is no doubt. 
and now he is dead. And he is potentially dead because of too much ketamine. We also aren't totally knowing all the details. I mean, I know they just had the trial and everything, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But there's other possibilities of things that he was, you know, a, a part of or had in his body. I mean, so you have these two paramedics now who are going to prison because they killed this guy with ketamine. I'm not saying that they didn't kill him. What I am saying is this is really going to set a fucking precedence for paramedics and fire to be a whole lot less likely to help people. Maybe it will change some training. Maybe it will change some protocols. Maybe these guys just straight up made a mistake. They're white. He's black. Maybe it was racial. Let's go back to that, right? Yeah. Maybe they just fucking hated the guy. I don't know. Maybe this is the second, third, fifth time they've had to deal with the guy. I don't, I don't know, right? The point being is this: these kinds of cases set a precedence that on one side is good because it makes sure that people are more accountable. But on the other side is bad because now it's going to make those types of professionals more hesitant to, to do their job. It's why cops are so hesitant more often not to pull triggers. It's why these days, you know, in the military, people are more hesitant to get involved in, in direct action because they're like, dude, I, I, I might go to prison for this. If I fuck this up, they're going to – five years down the road, I, I'm at home with my family thinking everything's fucking great. Fucking all door. of a sudden – yeah, I'm getting a, an investigation launched on me for a war crime. And yep. that makes people a lot more hesitant to do their jobs. But we have to have oversight for these people. Yeah, but there's no backing. There's a difference between, I think there's a difference between oversight and then having your people's backs mm -hmm. until they overtly do, do something wrong or illegal, right? Like those paramedics, yeah, that was probably, mm -hmm. that was wrong what they did, illegal what they, not illegal, but they shouldn't have acted the way they did and mm -hmm. given the dosage they did, whatever. Yeah. But just like you're saying, I mean, that's going to send – there already are shortages of mm -hmm. cops. There's already shortages of fire, Nationwide EMS, shortage. doctors, all of this stuff, military. And people wonder why. It's because the departments and the boards and the chains of commands flip on their people. As soon as there's any type of pushback, as soon as there's any eyebrows being raised, it's like, yep, we'll, we'll rake them over the coals for you. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. Because Just don't cut our funding. Yeah, and this day, this is my career. Yeah. You know, I'm not giving them my career for these guys. Yep, exactly. Now, here's the, here's the real kicker, right? You know why you or I or Drew have never had to be held down by cops? While fire rescue gives us ketamine, it's because we're white, Glenn. Oh, that's oh, I'm sorry. it. I'm that's, half Mexican. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. You guys are white. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. Remember, you're don't, our diversity don't, hire. Don't, don't forget. Me in with you guys. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> it's insane, right? Because like, that's the whole part of the story that seems to be overlooked. Yeah. Oh, let's overlook the fact that the guy is acting crazy. Someone, he's acting so crazy that someone calls the cops. Yeah. Hey, your job is to come out here. And control the crazy. Control this shit. Get out here and control this shit. And they show up, and now there's multiple guys tangling with this guy. He's wearing a fucking black ski mask, yelling and screaming all these crazy fucking things. And they're holding him down, trying to get him to calm the fuck down. Fire Rescue's like, fuck it, dude. Let's calm this guy down. No, Glenn. He was a great citizen and helped old he ladies cross the road. He was a massage and therapist. Animals Animal and lover. <laughs> Every time this shit happens, they pull the nicest looking fucking mm. photos of this guy. People, he was a dad. He, he loved his kids. Really? Why was he behind months on child support? Right. Why right. does he have four baby mamas? All right. Yeah, he was a great fucking father. Why is he sure. wrestling with the cops yeah. trying to shoot them or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> Why does he have domestic abuse charges? Why did he just get out of prison? Like, where the fuck do these people pull the things that they're saying to reality and like mesh them together? It's the narrative. If it's it's the narrative. Anything that, that will help them drive what they're after. And they will put anyone, they will put anyone out the pasture. And you think about it, it's just so arbitrary, right? Like you look at these two paramedics, these Colorado guys. I don't know them. I don't know the fuck they are. Never met them before in my life. Never gonna meet them in my life. To me, I just saw a picture of them 
that is the most interaction I will ever have in my whole life with these guys. And they will now go to prison. And my life overall, not affected. Yeah. And so it's really easy to kind of arbitrarily look at this and go, boy, that's that really sucks. That's fucking crazy. Without realizing that, like, if you are, especially if you work in any kind of uniform service or work for the government or anything like that, you are an expendable line item. Don't forget. If you work for a corporation, you are an expendable line item. That's all you are to them. Yeah. <clears throat> and just as easily, they'll let you go to fucking prison. And just as easily, they'll fire you, take your pension, do whatever, right? Like, it's important yeah. that you're super fucking careful if you work in these kinds of fields. Again, high levels of responsibility for medical professionals. Mm -hmm. And like Gabe said earlier, they're humans. They make mistakes. We have to allow a certain amount of that. What tolerances can we allow them to make mistakes? Okay. But ultimately, let's not forget about why we're judging these guys. Yeah. It's because they were trying to deal with an unruly, out-of-control individual. It could be like the 10th one of those they dealt with that fucking day. Yeah. Tell me you wouldn't be fed up, you fucking virtue-signaling piece of shit. Tell me you wouldn't be pissed mm -hmm. if that's like the third call of that t style yeah. you've done that day. Like how many more fucking guys do we got to hold down and give ketamine to? Jesus. Yeah. You know, I'm tired of these fucking guys and they're fighting the cops and screaming all this crazy shit. And they're like, man, I don't want to fucking deal with this shit. Yep. So just uh, some some lessons from the stories. Uh, Human factor. <clears throat> yeah. Fucking madness. All right. On to the topic. Oh, sorry. Uh, independence training gear moment. Independence training gear moment. Have a basic fix-it toolkit in your range bag and on your gear. So, you know, everyone wants to load out their chest rigs or their plate carriers or whatever. And they've always got, you know, lots of mags and all that. That's all really cool. But somewhere in your gear, there should be the basic necessities of what you need to maintain your equipment, whether that's a small set of Allen wrenches that you know work on parts that might come loose, uh, whether it is some lube for the guns, whether it is a lens cleaning cloth for your optics, whatever it is, you need to have these tools with you. And damn sure it needs to be in your range bag. It... Like not having a med kit, the, the maintenance tools are the med kit for your gun, right? It, it's always interesting to me, you know, when I'll have a student show up, private, open enrollment, whatever, uh, and they're like, you're like, all right, yeah, go ahead and grab your, you know, your, your multi-tool out or, you know, your Allen wrench is like, yeah, I don't, I don't have them. Okay, so what's your fucking plan? But we're gonna overthrow the government, brother. Yeah, exactly, like, dude. You don't even, you don't even have any tools, man. Like, you're, you're gonna need to get some fucking tools. For your gun, and you need to carry them with you to the range and on your kit. Yeah. Otherwise, if things go wrong, you're you're dead ass dead. You're, you're done. Your shit is fucked up, and you need a tiny little wrench or whatever to fix it, or an extra little spring or something like that, and you don't fucking have it. Yep. Like, I literally just keep a medicine bottle, like an old medicine bottle, full of freaking springs and detents and all kinds of crazy shit. Little shit that breaks and goes missing yep. easily. That I just yeah. need for random gun. That thing stays in my kit. Yeah, so. I got like two driver sets. Mm -hmm. That one stays in my backpack, mm -hmm. and then one is with my range shit. And in the other one, it's got two brushes, mm -hmm. a bottle of lube, and a bottle of cleaner. Super tiny. It's an old sun, sun, uh, sunglass case. Mm -hmm. It's fucking tiny as hell. You throw it in a mag pouch if you mm -hmm. really wanted to get fancy with it, but... And if you're looking for a really good brand of, like, tools, I always recommend the Fix-It Sticks. Fix-It Sticks makes a badass little tool set. So. Independence Training Gear Moment brought to you by TrainingAZ.com. Okay, now the topic. Listener request. Several of you guys. Oh, excuse me. Right before the end of the year, we're sending us uh, messages asking us, like, what are we preparing for? You know? What are we preparing for this year? Last year, I swore, and I was wrong to an extent. Uh, I just swore that it was going to be the year of 2023 is going to be the year of food shortages. Now, we didn't see the large-scale food shortage. We saw a constant attack on food production and farms and things like that. And we also saw less food available on the shelf. Like, if anyone else noticed that, you go to the store now, not all the shelves are full. You know, sometimes there'll be a hole here, a gap there. And that didn't used to happen. So what I think you're going to see this year is more of that. 
I think you're going to see more of those types of food shortages. I, I thought 2023 was when they were going to try to use food shortages against us to try to sway the election this year. Now it's election year, so it's possible they're going to do that. You know, they're going to do that. But I, I'm kind of overthinking that it's just going to be this broad, you know, food shortage. And instead, it's going to be more of a systematic approach, you know. I thought they'd do something severe, something crazy. Everything would get some disease or they would say, you know, wheat has an evil bug in it and you can't eat it or something like that, you know. Uh, but they didn't. I'm not saying you're not going to, but it didn't happen last year. So – one of the things I'm consistently preparing for all the time anyway is food preparation and food storage as much as I possibly can. And so that's something I'm going to continue to do through this year. I would like to work more on – like my goal for this year is to get more food stored. That's my daily use stuff. You know, there's so many people in our house – they eat so damn much food uh, that oftentimes we're, we're out of something. And it'll be like, oh, shit, we ran out of that. And so my goal is to try to get that consistency and get everyone on board with it. Because I don't buy one thing, I buy two. You know, Drew sent me to the store the other day to get two packets of a of, of mix. So I, they didn't have them in stock. So I got online and I ordered six packets. You know, it's not something we use all the time, but it's like, I don't want the two because then if we use them now, we just used our two and now we're out again. Right. So the, the idea is to constantly be cycling in and I want to get – I really want to work with my kids this year a lot to try to get them into that. Like, hey, man, if you take the last can of black beans and you don't fucking say anything, then we're not going to have black beans anymore. You know what I mean? Like if – but if we have six, eight, ten, twelve cans sitting in the shelf, no fucking problem, man. Mm -hmm. You know? And then when you cycle through to a certain extent – Go ahead and get some more. Hey, we got five left or four left or whatever. We need to get some more. Like I am a huge, huge fan of buying more of things. And if, if I don't buy one of a thing, I buy two or three or four. And so I think you're also going to see in addition to the food stuff, uh, I think you're also going to see just general shortages of, of common goods because we have this huge nationwide shortage of workers. We have all these places getting shut down, burning to the ground, you know, all kinds of price increases and everything else. And you're just going to start seeing companies go out of business. You're going to start seeing shortages. You're going to have transportation problems, all that kind of shit. And so, yeah, you're not going to be able to walk in the store and buy your, your favorite laundry detergent. You may be able to get some detergent, but it may not be the stuff that you like or use. Right. So right now, go buy a couple extra. I mean, that's something you'll always find in my house, for example, you know, extra detergent, extra soap, extra all that shit. You know, I, I, I always have extra everything. We have containers of toothpaste, toothbrushes, you know, all that kind of stuff, just extra everything, just extra all of the things. If I realize I'm running low on something, I don't go buy a replacement. If I'm like, oh, shit, this is my last one, I go buy two or three. I understand that financially it may not always be possible with everything and this can't work for everything because some things are very expensive. But the way that I look at it for everything across the board, food, personal items, hygiene, whatever, is 30 days. Could I get through one month? And you can start with one week. That's fine. I have a lot of people in my house, so – one month is a lot. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a lot, a lot of, of fucking stuff, you know? Um, but that's the way I, I want to start. And people, obviously, you could go forever. I right? you know one-year goal, two-year goal, five-year goal, ten-year goal. I don't care. Whatever your goal is, I don't care. But try to make it at least 30 days of no change, none, meaning the kids are using the same toothbrush and or same toothpaste, I mean. They're eating the same food. I'm wearing the same types of clothes, right? For a month, our life can stay normal in that regard. Right. Because if we're tapping into these supplies, things are going horrible elsewhere. And at least at home, I can maintain everybody has their normal shit for 30 days. Yeah. And then over time, we'll start to bring in the new stuff or different stuff or phase out certain things or whatever. Yeah. I think it's just kind of one of those things you just do a little bit here, a little bit there. Like even if it's like, let's say you buy one case of whatever a month 
well, that's still one more than you had the last month and the months before that. You know, it's, it's kind of the same thing we see with, like, anything gear, shooting, hiking. Everyone wants to get all of the things right away. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's not really how it works. You know, you get a little bit here, get a little bit there, and just stuff it away, mm-hmm. you know. And the next thing you know, yeah, you've worked up to your one or six or eight-year goal, you know. And so that I think that's, you know, kind of thing number one. Uh, thing number two <clears throat> that I'm definitely considering more for this year is more uh, I would a- anticipate. I wouldn't even say expect, but definitely anticipate kind of the same word, but a little bit different. Um, I would anticipate seeing an uptick in violence continuing in the cities where it's already getting really bad, Detroit, L.A., places like that, where it's just god-awful, widespread, horrible violence. Uh, and the cops aren't doing anything. They can't do anything about it. In some places, they literally aren't. They're openly saying, we're not going to do anything about this. I would expect to see more of that kind of stuff, but in what I'm going to call test cities. Like, they'll do some in Phoenix and see how it goes. You know, they'll do some in Salt Lake and see how it goes. They'll do some in Jacksonville and see how it goes. They'll do some in, you know, Charlotte and see how it goes. So I, I, I anticipate seeing more of that kind of stuff just these – because you've got all these supporters of various different, you know, religions and uh, causes and all this. These extremists are getting more extreme by the day. That's my biggest thing is in the, kind of in the same vein. I think that it is uh, – things are very deliberately happening mm-hmm. as far I, – I think it stems to the, the whole – not to sound like a hardy hard, but the border thing. When you really look at the numbers and see how many people are coming over, I mean, you have like 200 people that they caught mm-hmm. this year that were actively on watch lists, terrorist watch lists. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of Hispanic people coming over. I hate to break that bubble. We're not mm-hmm. turning away the family of seven who's trying to get here for a better life. I mean, if you've ever been down there, you know who's coming over and who it actually is. It's not who they say it is. And then we look at some of these large air quotes here, but protests that are happening in the U.S., and you see how easily those can be coordinated. Now let's just turn up the violence a little bit more than it already is. Well, who knows what that'll lead to. And if you swing a pendulum far enough one way, you leave the border open and all these people come in and all of this. Mm. When the government says, hey, things have gotten out of hand. We're going to step in and uh, we're going we're gonna to fix this and we're going to institute X law or martial law and we're going to calm all this down. Everyone will be like, oh, thank God they're finally fucking mm-hmm. doing something. And now you swing it far enough <clears throat> one way deliberately. People want a response. They finally say, yeah, you know, we're, we'll, we'll do something about it. It's a problem now. And in my opinion, they've are letting it get that bad. It's a manufactured problem. Yeah, yeah, it's a manufactured problem. That way they can step in and look like the government that's going to take care of everything. We're going to fix this, but Mm. you need to do X, Y, and Z. You know, stay in your homes. Don't do this. Don't do that. And and we'll take care of the problem. Like what we heard about and all the COVID shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty similar to that. Mm. That, And I think that, like, just like you said, the violence is going to go way up. And I think they're going to be more willing to allow the violence to keep getting worse. Like you've got <clears throat> Detroit, L.A., mm-hmm. Portland, places, Seattle, where they've just basically let the, the violence just run amok. I mean, yeah. it's been absolutely insane. You have all these crazy you – know, now they're, they're so bold. They're just literally middle of the day, four or five armed gunmen, mm-hmm. noon on a Thursday, yep. are just carjacking someone in downtown L.A. Like it's, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, and they're armed with like ARs and AKs. Yeah, it's they're, no longer like fucking high points. Yeah, they don't have shitty little pistols anymore. Like these these people are getting super fucking bold and they're running uncontested. So why wouldn't they do that? This is yeah. their job and no one's stopping them. So they're going to keep doing their job. Yeah, they're going to keep getting better at it and more aggressive mm-hmm. and more violent. Mm-hmm. And so how do we prepare for that? Well, I think one of the first things you can do is as much as possible, stay away from areas where you know there's a, a higher chance of violence. Just fucking stay away from it. Sometimes it's not possible. You got to work there. You live there. Uh, you got to, you know, go there for something. Okay, I understand. Just do what you can to not do that. Yeah, remove the fucking variables so you can. Start paying more attention to how people are acting and reacting in public and really, really start teaching. If you're a parent, really, really start teaching your kids. And if you've just got a significant other, a group of friends, family, whatever, start really talking to your people very, very seriously 
about this problem. Yeah. You know, that, that hey, if, if you're here and this violence starts to erupt, you know, you, you need to get the fuck out of there, like miles away. Like you need to be so fucking far away from this. And, and so that needs to be a, a conversation, especially if, if you got kids. And so I think one is going to be the avoidance and deterrence. Two is going to be the physical preparation for being thrust into something like that, which means if you're not an active carrier, you need to be. Yeah. You need to be an active carrier and you need to carry a realistic amount of tool and ammunition to consider the type of threat you may have to encounter. Now, obviously, we can't sling a rifle and walk around and a truck gun, as we've talked about many times on the show, may or may not be a good idea for you. But, you know, if you don't carry a backup magazine, it might be a good idea to do that. Or a couple. Yeah, it might be a good idea to throw an extra one in the truck or an extra one in your backpack or, you know. And, and if you're rocking something like a Glock where you can get a 33-round stick, nothing wrong with making your primary backup a fucking 33-round stick. Yeah. I mean, if I reach for my kit in my truck, all that has in it is 33-round sticks. Because yeah. if I'm having to reload my pistol out of my truck... It's a bad fucking time. We are in deep fucking shit. Yeah. I really need a long gun, but that isn't going to be an option most of the time. So at the very least, I need a lot of fucking rounds. We're looking at higher capacity um, or higher propensity, I mean, for violence. And we're looking at people that are enacting this violence that are not your typical thugs. Nope. We're not talking about, oh, yeah, pull the gun out, fire a few rounds, hit them or not. They'll probably run away. Yeah, your typical street thug, sure. Okay, I can get behind that statement. But now you're dealing with military-age males, potentially military veterans, potentially people still in their country's military, three, four, five of them causing problems, and you dump one of them, doesn't mean the other four are going to fucking run away. Yeah. I guarantee certain people from certain groups who now live in the U.S. illegally or legally who are supporting these causes mm. have probably seen a lot more than you have and done a lot more than you have. You know why? Because that's their whole fucking life and their father's life and mm. his father's life. That's all they fucking know. So, yeah, just like you said, the little bang, bang, they all run off. That's not going to... I don't see that as being the fucking way this plays out. Yeah, it's good for your typical chuckleheads, but it's not going to work well for your actual violent actors here that we are going to have to be dealing with. Yeah. So that's... A way to prepare. Um, another issue I think we're, we're likely to see maybe this year. I don't know if we'll see it this year or not, but it's definitely something to be good prepared for anyway, especially with the aforementioned problems, shortages, and also violence in areas, is having better comms. Yeah. Having better comms capabilities. Not just a bail thing radio, but the ability to project that. You know, little 5-watt radios are great. You need to have to get something bigger, you know, a couple base stations and some, you know, taller antennas. I mean, look, Ted, our, our guy Ted teaches an amazing freaking intro to comms class that we got him coming up here in the next couple of months. I know better get in on that shit. Learn how it's not expensive. That's the best part about radio stuff. Yeah. You can get a good setup for like a hundred bucks or less. A, a, an amazing setup in the world of radios costs less than your pistol cost. Yeah. So like consider getting better comms. Consider learning more about how to use those comms so that you aren't projecting to the whole wide world. And even if you are, start playing your code words. Yeah. Start laning, you know, lining out what your, what your uh, crypto is going to be. Like, hey, it's going to be, you know, street, kind of like we were teaching at that with the bang thing, right? It's like this is MSR Bullet. Yeah. This is building Zulu. You know, this is uh, Objective Charlie. You know, these are basic things. Like, it's going to be impossible. This is basic, basic comm shit. It's going to be impossible for anybody really to figure out what the fuck you're talking about yep. when you're giving things random-ass names. Yep. But how many people – and we know that, and most people know that. And, it, and when you explain it, people are like, oh, yeah, it makes sense, like, fucking immediately. But then how many of them are practicing that? That's an easy thing to practice. Have your kids start calling the house, you know, Zulu. Whatever the fuck you want it to be. Whatever it is. Hey, yeah, we're going to Zulu. What the fuck is Zulu? Oh, none of your fucking business. That's what it is. You know? And so, oh, yeah, hey, mom, can I meet you later at Zulu? Or whatever. I don't care. Call it the fucking banana sack. I don't give a fuck what you call your shit. But come up with some code names and start working on your crypto to start 
getting people in the habit of doing that. Otherwise, they're going to be screaming names and locations on the fucking radio in a pinch. Yeah. There's a reason that, you know, when you have to be on radios professionally, I'm going to use the military as an example, they make you do a very specific thing, a very specific way on the radio. Yeah. So that when there's a lot of chatter on the net, when there's a lot of calls going back and forth, when there's a bunch of fucking cross traffic, they can tell what the fuck is going on. And it's not you going, oh, my God, Jones just hit and we're down here in the creek bottom. You know, it's like, yeah. Not what you wanted to be saying necessarily. Well, not only on the that, wrong but nets. I mean, on the same vein, we could say one thing, and that means five different things. Yeah, yeah. Right, five different actions. Like you talk mm-hmm. about, like the concept of pro words. Mm-hmm. You know, if I even call a radio up to Glenn and I'm like, "Hey, Juliet, he knows X Y Z just happened, mm-hmm. and I'm about to do X Y Z mm-hmm. or A B C." Yep. Those. Things have occurred, and now he knows exactly what actions I'm about to take mm. because we have had these pro words set up. Mm. And that's just one word. If I if someone was intercepting that, I hear Juliet. What the fuck does that mean? Doesn't mean anything to him. To f- whatever I whatever you know. So that's the important. That's another important part is to start setting up better comms, setting up multiple methods. You know, start really looking at getting better at staying. In communication with people. One one of my safety things in my life is I almost require, but it's it's tough to do sometimes, uh, especially, you know, for, for anyone out there who's in a, a relationship with someone and you, you're going to tell them, like, I want you to tell me where you are at all times. And, you know, you get the whole, like, well, you're controlling me thing. It's like, yeah. No, I don't want you to end up raped and in a ditch. You understand? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, and if you are raped and in a ditch, I'd like to know where to find your fucking body. Yeah. You know, because if I don't know any of those things about you, I, I don't know where to even start looking. You know, you're anywhere in the fucking wherever, right? But you got to <clears throat> manage this. But one thing I could I could really advise everyone to do is start getting your people and make this a habit yourself to just basically let people know where you are at all times. It's like your kids, let me know where you are at all times. If you change houses, let me know. Yeah. If you go from the library to the Circle K across the street, okay, I probably don't need to know about that. But if you're going to go from the library and drive your uh, and drive a half mile down away from the library, yeah, that's too fucking far. Yeah. You know, are you going to hop on your bike and you're going to walk to the park a quarter mile away? Yeah, and you fucking know. Yeah. And it's a quick, hey, Dad, I'm headed to this park. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's super. I mean, I am a huge true crime fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you read a lot of the cases or watch the documentaries, it's always like they were just supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. They said they were just going here. Mm-hmm. And we placed them there. Mm-hmm. And then and they weren't fucking then there. Then they weren't fucking there. Mm-hmm. And they're gone literally forever. Because mm-hmm. it's like those first few hours left or right of when someone's supposed to be at a place and then they're not, you can get real fucking far. You know, and go mm-hmm. disappear pretty quick in mm-hmm. two, three hours, mm-hmm. four hours. You know what I mean? So if there's young people or just people in your life in general, I mean, fucking throw an air tag in your wallet <clears throat> or something. I mean, it's so easy these days just to kind of, you know, get used to keeping tabs on people. And, you know, from again, from like, let's say in a big operational perspective, this is critical. It's yeah. critical. I have to know where my people are. It doesn't matter whether we're about to execute a mission. Yeah, if I'm going to get on the horn and say, let's say Juliet, right? That's going to be my pro word. Okay, cool. Juliet, well, what if my, you know, kilo element isn't in in place? Right. Well, if they never fucking said yes or no, and I called Juliet, and, and this action I'm about to take hinges potentially on kilo being, being in place, set, yeah. and they're not in place, we might have just blown the whole fucking thing, or, or people are going to get hurt. And yeah. so it's the same kind of concept of... In your daily life. Like, it's so fucking easy to do. And when people say, I forgot what they mean is I don't care. Yeah. Or it's like, it's like we have this great tool called a BFT or Blue Force Tracker. Mm-hmm. Blue Force Tracker, yeah. And it's like, imagine if we had one of those in the civilian life that mm-hmm. showed us where everyone is. Yeah, you do. It's called your fucking iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Idiot. Yeah. Share your location with your friends and family. It's literally yeah, a BFT. Mm-hmm. It shows you exactly where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And it shows me exactly where you're at. Not that fucking hard. Getting used to like putting people on the board, as it were. Like in mm-hmm. my mind, I think of 
our whole area as a board. You know, it's like, okay, my kids are over here. You know, I got kids in this school. I got kids in this school. I got kids in this school. You know, I got a kid who lives over here. You know, I've got, uh, you know, Drew's over here. I'm over here. You know, all my friends and people are family. My parents live over here. Like, in my mind, it's a giant map, big old board. And on that board, I have everyone pinned. This is where they're supposed to be. This is where they're in t- expected to be. So that way, if something happens, we know exactly where to go and collect them. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is something Drew and I have talked about. Like, our greatest fucking fear is that something happens when our exes have our kids, our younger kids. Yeah. Because they don't have those same plans in place. No fucking clue where they're going to be. It's like, hopefully they're in school. Yeah. You know, but if it's not, if it's an evening, if it's a morning, if it's a weekend, if it's a holiday or whatever, like, fuck, man. How am I going to collect these people? Yeah. You know, how am I going to know where they're at, how to get to them, how to make sure they're safe? So you can start planning these basic things of a basic communication. Hey, I'm doing this. I'm expected to be home around this time. You know, okay, I didn't make it. All right, don't fucking rake anyone over the coals about it, but definitely encourage your people to continue doing this to the point where it does become, you know, I'll say like a, a, a punishable crime. You know, like, you know, our, our, our oldest kids, they are expected to tell us. If they don't tell us, they get in trouble. Like yeah. You have a phone. You know, you you have technology. It's not the fucking hard. Yeah. Preset the message. And then just, once you get there, just boop. hit T1 can be the preset message. T1, send. And boom, it'll send the preset message. For any of you guys who don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, go look in your keyboard settings, all right? But <clears throat> you can preset messages and then just boom, here's the preset message. I'm leaving school. I am now home. That's T1 and T2 done. Or whatever the fuck you want to call them. My point is, is that it's so easy to stay in comms with people. Yeah. And everyone, like you said earlier, everyone's going to go fight the world. They don't even have a fucking wrench to change the zero on their fucking optic. But they're going to go fight the fucking government or whatever. And now you got people, they don't, they don't know anything about comms. If they can't pick up a phone and call somebody, they don't want to fucking think anything about it. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, especially my age or older, go, oh, well, you know, there was a time we didn't have all this. You're right. And it was not that much fun to try to figure out what fucking people were. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. I remember driving around town sometimes. And when you grew up in a small town, like when you're driving around a small town, I can't even imagine trying to figure out where someone was if I'd have grown up in Phoenix. Yeah. Fucking huge. How the fuck do you even figure it out? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, at least you got the usual suspect places. Hit them on that pager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, shit, I got to go home. But it's like, it's so easy. That's such an easy thing. So here's why I, I'm kind of focusing on these things. Dashing up, storing up supplies and things you think you might need. That includes things like ammunition. Literally earlier today. We just had our brass guy here uh, getting some of our brass, and he was telling us how you know how much components are going to go on the back side of things. There's these major corporations and even people foreign interests buying up components, component manufacturers like CCI and people like that, and then increasing those prices significantly to the point where ammo is going to be. I mean, if you've bought ammo at all recently, you've noticed how fucking expensive it is. Yeah, the shit ammo is expensive as fuck. I mean, Drew just bought some rounds uh for her precision rifle and they are they were it was a dollar 60 a round now that's not a bad price when you look at current prices but when we first started shooting competitions together we were paying about 80 cents around 80 to 90 cents around like you're, you're talking about a significant pricing well and that's match stuff too yeah it's not just match fucking ball yeah 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 no, it's a huge fucking jump. And so the more you can, you know, like we say about ammo, I'll, I'll apply to everything. You buy it cheap and you stack it deep. When the prices are good, buy and stack it deep. Yeah. The second part of things is, you know, the potential for violence, which may drive you to go, hey, you know what? We're just going to hunker down here. You know, and then or, hey, we need to pick up and go and we need to be able to take some stuff with us. We're not going to have time to stop by the store. There is no fucking stopping by the store. Yeah. The store is overrun with looters and shit. There's no stopping by the fucking store. And and we're not going to head it to the woods. Go live off the land. That is the worst fucking plan ever. All right. But maybe I just need to change locations. Yeah. Maybe I need to go someplace else or group up with people or whatever. And then the last thing is comms, the ability to, to communicate all of this, what's happening with your people. 
critical. These are all things that can be practiced now. These are all things to be prepared for now. And I see this because I see, in my mind, I see disruption of our normal daily services happening. I see Wi-Fi going out more often. I see uh, cell phones losing signal more often in, in 2024. You know, again, I see uh, supply chains being broken. I see more weird violence popping up in places we're not used to it popping up. Mm-hmm. So, slowly but surely. Yeah, it's kind you of like I mean? that's that's kind of at least my predictions of what I think is going to potentially happen in 2024. I hope I'm wrong. Probably won't be. <laughs> I hope unicorns show up and start shitting rainbows and Skittles come out of them from the we sky. Have unity and peace among, oh, man. you know, all the races and genders. Uh, we all hold all hands. of them. Yeah. Such a nice world to think of. People aren't offended all the goddamn motherfucking time. Well, because in our that ideal world, we have nothing to be offended for. We've fixed all of our social problems. Yeah. Right. It's always funny when people, you know, easily people get offended. I have a funny story about that, but I don't want to share it on the air. Something <laughs> happened to me last week. <laughs> I offended somebody, and the and the only reason that I think people say the things that they say in public is because there's no penalty of being punched in the mouth. Yeah, you know, it's like, man, I will punch you in the mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> if we were cavemen, I would hit you with a big fucking rock until you were dead. Now I'll throw your body over the fucking cliff. People are really, brutal. and then I'd like move about my life because like yeah. you shouldn't you shouldn't get involved in other people's problems, and this is why. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's like, it's fucking crazy to me. People are just, they're not ready for shit. They're not ready. So anyway, uh, real quick note. I know that we said we were going to have Mark on the show this week and everyone's like, wait, what the fuck happened? Um, I apologize. My fault. I was not feeling up to task this morning. I was, had a really bad night. And, uh, so I, I was like, I don't know what we're going to do here, but I hate to fucking cancel a guest, but, you know, Mark's a friend, and he, he doesn't live too far from here, so I'm like, okay, if i got to cancel him, sorry, man. And I did give him about eight hours' notice, so he had plenty of time, but uh, he is coming back next week. So so don't don't worry. We're still having Mark. We're still talking about all the cool um, uh, maintenance and all that kind of stuff. We just didn't get to it this week. Uh, it's my fault. Apologize. So uh, Anything else about the – no, Drew's been over in the corner. You got a fitness moment over there, Drew? Yep. Um, for today, I have avoid uh, cotton clothing. Not only does cotton absorb and retain the sweat, but it makes your clothing a lot heavier. And then also, if it's wet, it will rub and you will get chafed in certain areas that you most likely probably don't want chafing. So if you're going to be working out or running, definitely have those clothes that are moisture wicking and not cotton especially your socks and if you are gonna ever go out and have high activity another thing i would add to any good kit you call it first aid kit or just a daily kit would be some kind of anti-chafing cream there's a thousand ones out there body glide is great great uh there's one i started using a couple years ago uh that we met the guy at um ragnar called squirrel nut butter Oh, yeah. I used that stuff at Ragnar because they were giving it out for yep. free. It's fucking rad stuff. Yeah. It's really, really good stuff. Super so, Because you never know. When Mark's just talking, everyone's like, oh, you're talking about firing the hole, you know, you're fucking chafing between your legs. I'm like, dude, armpits, shoulders, you know, you wear wrong to wear, wear the wrong kind of shirts, clothing, whatever. You get chafing on your freaking nipples on, you know, the be- like sometimes it'll happen like on this weird spot behind my arm. Like my, behind my left armpit, there's just this fucking spot that's sensitive to that. Yeah. And it'll start chafing. And man, once it starts, it's fucking miserable. Yeah, once you're there, there's no no turning back. The only thing you can do is damage control at that point. Yeah, Especially exactly. if you've got to like keep moving around mm-hmm. for the next couple hours. Yeah. So don't always think it's going to be in some you know private area. It's going to be – could be anywhere. You can get chafing. It's literally a thing. I keep them in little tins. I keep them in all my kits. Yeah. So. Got one in my backpack. All right, Fitness Moment with Drew brought to you by MRC Phoenix, McKellar Running Club Phoenix. Uh, don't forget about our Monday night run, 6.30 at Chupacabra Tap Room in Mesa. Wednesday night run, 6.30 at Dad's Eatery in Scottsdale. You don't have to be a fast runner. You don't even have to really be a runner. You just have to have a desire to come out, get active, and be moving. It's all you have to do. It's all you have to do. You don't, don't have to be fast. 
Remember, you can bring us out to train with you. Get hosting information via email, info at trainingaz.com. Had a few requests recently, so, you know, hopefully we'll be traveling a little bit more this year, even more than normal. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook as The Arms Room Show, Independence Training, and MRC Phoenix. We're proud members of the Heroes Media Group. Be sure to check out the next, uh, the next, I mean, the uh, the other stuff that they do. A lot of cool things that our network does, transcription services, publication, podcasting, digital media, all kinds of cool stuff that they're up to. Next week, we are going to have Mark on the show with us. Mark from Arizona Machine Gun Ordnance about the primary maintenance issues he finds with firearms that he works on, the typical issues that he sees when he's out in the field. Until next time, stay where, stay safe, and train hard. You've been listening to The Arms Room.